Welcome to the Lucky Titan Podcast. Here you will learn how to fill your favorite platform with tons of your dream customers from some of the world's top entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Josh Tapp. Now let's get started. All right. What is up, everybody? Josh Tapp here again, and welcome back to the Lucky Titan. Today, we're here with Scott Anderson, the CEO of Double Dare, and we just had a really good, long conversation. We were, uh, we're having a good conversation about marketing and really getting, getting kind of the nitty gritty when it comes to group coaching and, and helping other businesses, agencies in particular to scale. So I'm excited to talk about that today with you, Scott. So first off, Scott, can you say hello to everybody and then we'll jump right in. Thanks. Really glad to be here, Josh. Thanks for the opportunity. No problem. This is going to be fun. So this is going to be an interesting conversation because a lot of these questions will come genuinely from from me, right? For, from our company, right? Sure. And as an agency, getting past that million dollar point is the most difficult point, right? Because you can figure out how to close sales. Yeah. You can figure out how to kind of create a, an agency that works, right? You've, you've proven, proven the concept. You've got some, some experience under your belt. What would you recommend to somebody who was trying to scale from one to 3 million? What would be the number one framework or tactic that you would apply to be able to scale that business? Boy, that's, you know, and, and thank you for, for asking that question because it's just a perfect one. Um, and the one that I really focus on the most, owning my own agency, um, I found that that was just a really hard mountain to climb. And um, having now coached, having gotten through it and broken that barrier and the, the 2 million barrier and the 3 million and so on, um, you know, in retrospect, what I see that my clients face is um, a couple of problems. I mean, one of them is that, um, what got them to a million dollars won't get them past a million dollars. Usually we talked about the, the theory of ones and threes, um, but it's really true that typically what got the, what gets in a small agency to a million dollars won't take them very far beyond that. And typically because the founder owner principle is, is still kind of behaving in an entrepreneurial way and uh, has too much involvement with too many things and not enough involvement with, with the high impact areas that really make a difference. Um, you know, you've been through this and I certainly was where I would be very involved in developing a new client relationship and then we'd win the business. So now I would go into production execution mode and or account management mode. And then I would, I'd be out of the market. I'd be, I wouldn't be in business development anymore. And I found that sort of binge and purge sort of cycle where I would only, I found that I would only be in the market in terms of developing new client relationships six months a year or less, because every time I want anything, it would take me out of the business. And that was why I was, one of the main reasons why I was stuck was that I had a, an, a stop start inconsistent business development process that couldn't outgrow me. I was the problem. Um, and until I was able to take a really good look at the, the, uh, highest and best use of what talents I had, and to really focus almost all of my time on those things, uh, I was sort of doomed to be at a million dollars if I was lucky, uh, really, um, because the risk of losing clients, when you're only in the market six months a year, the risk of losing clients is double um, what it ought to be. And um, so that's the main thing was that, and this is what I advise my clients, we need to find the areas where you can have the most impact. and um, uh, and, and also to shed the things where you don't have uh, on a dollar per hour basis, uh, it doesn't make any sense for you to be involved. Uh, 
um, James, James Shramko, an Australian uh, coach that I really like, talks about effective hourly rate. And so I asked my clients, what is your effective hourly rate? And for most of them, it's $100 an hour or $200 an hour or whatever it is when they divide their income by 2,000 hours. And so we just have a real candid conversation about should anybody who makes $200 an hour be doing $20 an hour work? And it just doesn't make any sense mathematically. Um, so a lot of what I work with my, my clients on is role shedding um, to try to actually take away um, a lot of tasks that can be done better, faster, cheaper, and to focus entirely on the areas where you have the most impact in terms of growing the, the business. Yeah, and, and a, a question that comes to mind with that, I mean, especially being in those shoes, right? Because <laughs> sometimes we don't like to be where we perform the best, especially yeah. as the owner, right? That's um, right. I'm just going to, I'm going to frame this with me, right? So I'm still one of our, our biggest sales drivers in our company, right? We don't have a lot of salesmen yet to, to really take yeah. over and scale. I, I drive most of our business. And one of the big problems I have is I don't really enjoy the sales side. I really do like podcasting and connecting with people, which is one of our big yeah. sales methods, but I can really only do that for like four hours a day before yeah. I am just toast. Right. <laughs> sure. And so I'm just kind of curious, like, is it a problem to outsource that to help you scale still, even, even if it's your area? No. no, I think it's a necessity, you know, really. I mean, because we're trying to sustain the business and your lifestyle. So anything you hate, you're not going to do, you know, I mean, that's just the fact of it. And, and uh, you know, I've got some clients and I did this myself heroically doing things I hated uh, and jobs that, that could be replaced by somebody at, you know, $20 an hour. Um, but it's not sustainable um, in uh, neither emotionally nor financially. So, you know, one of the things that I've really found with a, with a lot of my clients is that uh, those that aren't, aren't really suited to or don't like sales um, is that what they don't like is they don't like um, lead generation. They don't like, they always immediately think of cold calling uh, and, Nobody likes that, let's face it. I mean, or not very many people do. And so, you know, the, the key really, I think, is to sculpt the role to where the founder owner is comfortable and has impact. And usually if we can get, at least in our small agency uh, clients, if we can get them out of, the, out of the role of anything to do with lead generation or, um, or cold calling or, or even qualifying, um, and put them really in the area of auditioning clients and see if there's a fit. They're very good at that. And closing the business, they're good at that uh, and kind of carrying the flag for the agency. Um, but we try to get them out of anything that, that kind of, um, that they hate for sure, but especially any activity that can be done better, faster, cheaper by somebody else. Yeah, and I, I love that because, I mean, for us, we've even found... Um, it's almost the hardest thing to outsource the, the sale side of things yeah. because you're, yeah. you're really having to teach them how to sell the vision and, and to understand the business well. So I'm going to ask you this just as a genuine question, because for your company, I mean, you obviously had found somebody else to, to help with the sales as well, because the, the sheer volume that you're developing. Yeah. So what, um, how do you recommend for somebody to actually find a great salesperson yeah. and pay them what they're worth so that they'll stick around. Yeah. I, you know, that's a very, very hard question. And, 
um, you know, really my experience has been that that what what seems to really work better, well, first of all, kind of change the mindset about selling period so that, you know, what we, what I try to, the, the kind of systems that I help my clients create are, um, are really about drawing clients through the funnel and that there isn't a, um, you know, sometimes we make up, there has to be this used car salesman, uh, Uber closer person, right. Who's just this, uh, heat seeking sales machine. And, um, you know, most people don't want to be sold to that way anyhow. So, you know, what I try to do with, with my clients instead is to really create a funnel that is, um, that adds value and qualifies all throughout the process, but isn't as reliant on, um, you know, on that sort of king salesperson or queen salesperson, because they're very rare, they're very hard to find, they're very hard to keep. And so we try to create a model that really doesn't, that doesn't have that role in it. Um, it's really more of a, uh, it's a, a, a perpetual discovery process, a fit um, finding process, and, um, and the, the close part of it is really comes very naturally. Um, but we try to create a system that's not dependent on a sales personality per se, maybe customer service orientation, but not sales. Because again, I've, I have hired, you know, a number of really expensive, um, impossible to satisfy, um, uh, salespeople. And, um, and I've never, you know, frankly, I've never seen it work. Um, and, uh, so at least for agencies that are trying to break the 1 million, 2 million, $3 million barrier, um, generally, um, I, I, what I found is that it's easier to create a modular, uh, funnel driven program that is, uh, uh, where the people you're feeding into it are, can be trained at a pretty low level, can really master what they're assigned to, and um, you don't have to rely on a super closer. Yeah, that I, I love that theory because we've even recently been trying to figure out ways to get them to where they're so pre-qualified um, that the closer is basically just taking payment at that point. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. People exactly. are already completely sold. And yeah. Funny thing though, is that's, that's so much easier said than done, right? Because yeah. if they were that easy. There'd be billion dollar marketing agencies overnight, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, so much of it has to do with, I mean, we talked before the, before the interview, we talked about the importance of really knowing uh, who it is you want to work with and, and the value that you add and the pain that you solve. And, you know, before we get into any kind of sales and marketing, uh, exercise or process. And that's, that's really where the sale is made or not made. Um, it's way before someone raises their hand, uh, you know, on a podcast or to a webinar or email or whatever. Um, you know, the, the biggest and most important investment is in deciding what, who do you want to market to? What do you want to market? Uh, can you really create a transformative um, scenario or not? Um, cause all the marketing in the world won't save it if you can't do that. Right. And the retention is <laughs> 90% of the work as an agency, right. Is keeping those people around. Exactly. And, yes. and I, I love your theory on this. And this is what I'd love to ask my next question about is you're talking about retention is determined, not just off the experience you're giving them when they're your client, but it's determined before they become your client. Yes. Yeah. And, and for you, like, 
how, how are you vetting people so heavily at that point that they're staying longer? Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's really great question. And, you know, to me, onboarding um, begins, um, you know, way before it typically begins in most agencies or in most businesses. Um, you know, onboarding typically occurs for most companies after the sale is made. To me, onboarding is, you know, is a part of the, from the very, very beginning. And, and mainly to, um, to uh, recalibrate this, the decision of whether this is a fit, fit or not. Um, you know, we don't want to wait until after we're a client that, or an af- until after we engage a client to find out that they're unreasonable regarding scope creep, for example. I mean, just to pick one bugaboo for a lot of uh, design agencies and digital agencies, um, you know, we want to have that conversation as early in the process as possible. And so if it turns out that the prospect is unreasonable, you know, or won't accept any responsibility for change orders or what have you, um, we don't want to have that. We want to have that conversation where when we're still dating and there's still uh, a hint of romance in the air. Uh, because to try to to try to execute those things afterwards is, is sort of like trying to get a prenuptial agreement signed after you get married. Um, you know, we really want to explore all of those issues as much as we can on the front end, um, so that it's so that there is a good experience for sure, and and we try to eliminate as many surprises as possible. Clients really appreciate that to broach those tough conversations, have the tough conversations on the front end not on the back end, as much as possible, at least. I love that. And I mean, one of the things that came to mind, I don't know if this is your, the way you structure it or not, but I mean, part of, part of the relationship that's awkward when you're, when you're selling a retainer service is, mm-hmm. you know, their goal is to get rid of you as fast as possible. And your, your goal is to keep them for, for life, right? Like, yeah. Oh, Right. This would be amazing. And I think if you can get to a consensus of like, well, how long do you like, if this was working well, like how long would you want to stay with us? You know, I think that's yeah. one of the. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we really, um, we have a process called R-E-A-L, uh, which is uh, an acronym that it spells real. And it's, we created it because my principal business partner would always criticize me for bringing in clients that weren't real. I mean, he'd say, why are we wasting our time? You're bringing in these people that aren't real. And what he meant, of course, was uh, a couple of specific things. Are we talking to, in the advertising world, are we talking to a client that has a budget or doesn't? Uh, That was one of our main, anytime a client said, well, we were hoping you would tell us what our budget should be, we ran away screaming because our experience from that kind of client was terrible. Anytime we, they weren't allowing us to talk to the decision maker or the check signer, we just say, you know, call us back when the decision maker is ready to talk. Um, another thing was um, we would never be anybody's first agency because we found we were really bad at that. Um, we, it was hard enough to be somebody's second agency or fourth agency, but to be their first, you also have to teach them agency 101. And that's really hard lifting. So anyway, we had a, a, a bunch of criteria on the front end um, and um, you know, it was, uh, the acronym was uh, R-E-A-L plus N. Uh, L stands for we have to like them. And, and, and N was just to know if this is a now thing or a later thing so that we didn't get wrapped around the axle uh, romancing this client, uh, which we actually stopped doing. We didn't do any, any spec or any, 
uh, any work like that. We instead introduced a discovery process that they had to pay $20,000 for, which is what we teach our clients about. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do spec for free. We want our clients to be paid to pitch and that works a lot better. Um, but yeah, it's, that's the main thing is we tried, we tried very hard not to waste their time or ours and tried to really qualify from the very beginning. Well, and, and can I have you dive in a little bit deeper into what you just said right there, like getting sure. paid to pitch. That's, that's something that it's, it's a foreign concept for a lot of people. So can you, can you walk us through that a little bit? Sure. You know, I mean, if anybody who's been in the advertising agency business, the branding design, et cetera, PR business, um, knows that clients um, would love to get a lot of really good information for free. Uh, we sometimes in the old days refer to it as spec or uh, sample creative or what have you. And, um, and we simply drew a line and said, no, we're not going to do that. And the reason mainly that we decided not to do that is that so many others would. And, and if our clients were susceptible to getting a lot of stuff for free, we, you know, they weren't a good fit for us. And we, we wanted to train our clients that the most valuable thing that we sell is actually our ideas, not the execution. Um, and what so many agencies do is give away executions for, for free and, and also never get paid for the ideas. This is why we created a consulting group within our advertising agency so that we could sell the crown jewels, which were the ideas, um, for a higher price than we did execution to build them a website or make a video or what have you. Um, and, you know, I mean, this is, so you can't execute any of what I just said if you don't have a really laser sharp um, value proposition to a very specific audience. Um, you know, you really have to be able to own your category, your niche, what have you. Um, and you have to generate enough leads so that you can say no with impunity. Um, but not being able to say no is uh, our, our hometown hero in Omaha, Nebraska, Warren Buffett says, uh, you know, if you can't raise prices, you don't have a business. And, uh, or at least if you can't raise prices, or I think he says you have to go into a prayer meeting to raise prices, um, you don't have a good business. And same way with saying no. Uh, one, of his, one of his sayings is rich people say no a lot more than poor people, um, and, um, or really wealthy people do than wealthy people. So, but it all goes back to having a value proposition that is really powerful and really transformative um, to a specific audience. I love that. And, and I hope everybody who has an agency or a business in general is to think about that, right? Is you're, you're really selling the idea, the concept, and then the execution can be done by anybody. I mean, there's a billion exactly. agencies out there that can run Facebook ads for people, right? And they can exactly. do it effectively. And there's really no competitive differentiation between any of them. But when That's you- so true. And, and what clients are paying for anyway is transformation. Right. Um, you know, we always wanted to, we always wanted the CFO uh, in our client companies to love us. Um, you know, we wanted to be able to point to um, metric, financial metrics that shareholders or the board of directors would be interested in. We always hoped that the agency would come up in a board of directors meeting, and that would be a home run. Um, and 
um, you know, in real businesses and real business people, um, you know, they may be susceptible to clever, creative for a while, but not long. And unless we're moving the needle uh, in a, in a, in a very you know, business centric kind of a way, you know, when we're in the food industry, um, food being a very mature industry, it's a zero sum game. And uh, the only way to win is by stealing market share. Um, there typically isn't more, you know, or not appreciably more market share um, unless you create new categories. But um, so that means you have to win share. Share of market and share of mind um, are were the two metrics that everybody in, in our clients' minds uh, worshiped. And so, you know, they weren't interested in, um, the companies that we worked with weren't interested in um, clever creative. They were interested in market share. And if we could demonstrate points of market share, one on behalf of our clients, they'll beat a path to your door, uh, much more so than if you could say, we build a pretty good website, uh, which we found one, won us no clients ever. Yeah, they're like, I don't care if it looks pretty if I'm not getting market share, right? <laughs> they kind of want both, but mainly they want it to work. Yeah, that's, I think we'll start to see a shift in the marketplace, especially because more people are going to say, you know what, I don't care how cool it is as long as it performs well, right? It preserves the brand exactly. at least. Exactly. Um, and you're well, not going to stay, you know, with respect to being retained as an agency or retaining clients. You know, you'll be retained forever if you continue to produce financially meaningful, economically meaningful results. Um, right. But if you're just the flavor of the day and, um, you know, you produce something that's popular for 90 days, you're not going to be around for very long. Right. I could name five brands off the top of my head, but I won't throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I call them bottle rocket companies. Yes. They great. take off and then they just fizzle out and die. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, well, I want to ask you this, Scott, because, you know, sticking with the theme of transformation and, and structuring information, you have a product that actually helps people with this. And, and I think people have probably over the last you know, 20 minutes, we've been talking here. They probably have said, okay, this guy has the, the right ideas for me if I'm an agency. So how can people get in communication with you and, and learn how to do what you're doing? Oh, thank you. Yeah, we, um, we have uh, for um, advertising agency owners, and we say small ones, meaning they're usually just under a million to maybe up to 5 million, some up to 10 million, but they're all about breaking the 1 million barrier and the 2 million barrier and so forth. And um, so if you go to our site, which is fastagencyscale.com, uh, we can give you a bunch of information that will be useful. And um, we have a process called Scale Simplifier, um, which is a, um, a mastermind group and, um, and course with, uh, with a weekly coaching from me. And um, that's a really good way for small-ish agencies to get this information and to implement it um, in community with other like-minded people. Uh, I also coach people one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, you know, if that works better. And uh, one of the things that does allow me to do is to get involved with the, not just with the owner of the agency, but with their teams. Um, part of the biggest part of scale really is building a bench. And without that, uh, the owner has to continue doing everything. And that's one of the main obstacles to breaking through these, these plateaus. I love that. So 
Where can people access that again? What's the website? Uh, thank you for asking. Fastagencyscale.com. Fastagencyscale.com. So make sure you go check that out, everybody. And Thanks, you know, Scott, before we, before we end here, you know, we have covered a lot of different topics. So if you could leave one final parting piece of guidance for our audience, what would that be? Um, my, my business partner uh, in, in my advertising agency had this mantra that I think is so powerful and it's make it about them. And um, the tendency uh, in advertising agencies, but I suppose all businesses is to make it about us, um, to make it about how, how much about what we want to do and um, the culture we want to have. And um, these things are important, but they're not as important if we want to succeed. It's not as important as what our clients want and what our clients need. And uh, so I should have got it tattooed on my arm, probably make it about them because I tend to be, uh, you know, like a lot of business owners, uh, a little myopic and self-centered, but Make it about them to me is, is just a really powerful way to remember that uh, we can only succeed if our clients succeed. And any question that can pass that, that lens um, is going to be a good decision. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Lucky Titan Podcast. If you want to fill your favorite platform with dream customers, then come join myself and thousands of others of hosts at theluckytitan.com slash tribe. Here you can find guests for your show, get featured on other shows, and discover the secrets to building an audience of raving fans. So once again, go create your free account at theluckytitan.com slash tribe.